thank you for praying. Uh, special thanks to uh, Bud Pilata. Um, Bud, Bud called me on, on Sunday afternoon, and he had been given from one of the prophetic voices that he listened to an anointed prayer. Uh, I, I'm not going to give all the credit to Bud, but I'm going to just say this prayer has brought about healing for a lot of people fighting with COVID, and he prayed for me, as many of you did pray for me and for joy, and it's good to be here. That's part of my story. Um, I think each of us come today, and we've got a story to tell. Um, we've got, we've, God's intervened in your week. God's intervened in your life. God has uh, spoken to you specifically. There's been some uncanny uh, circumstances that you kind of go, how did, how did this happen except for the hand of God? And yet we live in a culture, and the culture says, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see what you're talking about. I, I don't have no, I, I have, it's not that I don't have faith or don't believe that there is a God, but I just, it, it seems so foreign to me because I don't see his hand at work. Now, you and I can do what we've been taught to do. In the 80s and 90s, we were, we were taught a whole lot of, of um, apologetics. You had people like Gordon McDonald, and you had people like C.S. Lewis, and you had so many others who were sort of in the mix of, of training us how to argue God, right? You remember all those books that you read and all those seminars that you went to? And all those things that the church sort of got involved in, it was good. It was, it was solid stuff, you know. There was, there was volumes that were out, you know, um, defending uh, the faith and, and the, the reason for God. And yet, for the most part, this generation that we live in is, is saying, I don't want to hear about God. I want to see him. I want you to show me God. So when you tell your story, as, as was said um, wonderfully, thank you for reminding us of the date today. Today is 9-11. But we're not going to live in that moment. We can't live forever in this moment. We don't, we don't want to go with the people who have long remembered the, the debacle of Auschwitz and, and uh, what Hitler has done because we want to say, the Lord has sustained us. We live beyond those dates. I will say I was in two places, the last two churches I was in. One, I was there on, at the day of 9-11, and we watched from the beach in Darien across uh, Long Island Sound, a perfectly clear day. 9-11 was a perfectly clear day, and we could see the plumes of smoke of the two towers burning from that far away uh, from, from Manhattan. So, you know, we, we had people who... We couldn't track. We were, we were waiting to hear from them because they walked for miles because they couldn't get on a subway. They couldn't get on a bus. There was no, it, everything was shut down. And then when I was in D.C., uh, I had many people who were there in the Pentagon on the day that it happened. But they have a story to tell. And so many of them told the story, oh, that morning I was at a business meeting. That morning I was at a Bible study. That morning I was across town or this, I had this meeting and, and there were various reasons why so many people who were in the flight paths of those planes were not present. Coincidence? They'll tell you for themselves there was no coincidence because it happened, just happened 
uh, wasn't their usual pattern of operation. And, and so they, they, they give thanks to God. Did it mean that God didn't care about the people that were lost? Certainly not. But it meant that there was grace that was bestowed in a story that was told of overcoming faith. So when we hear the songs like we heard this morning, uh, these are the days of Elijah. You know, we, we know that these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword. Yet we're going to join the voices in the desert. We're going to cry out with a resounding understanding that we are victorious in Christ. You can take my life, but you'll never take my soul. You can take anything away from me. You can make me desolate and poor and homeless and lost, but you can never take away what the Lord has sustained and saved. And so also we, we sang this song this morning and Laura explained very well, you know, there, there was this time where the people of God faced opposition, and yet when they rose up with one voice in that song, Let Your Glory Fall, the glory of the Lord tends to fall at times where we have one voice, where we press in and say, I don't get this. This is too much for any human being to handle. I don't understand. Moms, you know, hearing you, your testimony, I, I mean, I know that I was helpless and hopeless in uh, being the best of a support, the best thing I could do was, was keep up with my job. But coming home to preschoolers at times, I just marveled at the ability that Kristen had and you moms have at being able to just keep go, keeping on, just keep steady and keep that keel nice and deep so the, the boat sails in the right direction, right? So the scriptures this morning find us in this curious human endeavor, Here's Moses. And they're like, well, this guy Moses that you gave to lead us, he's been gone. What do we do? Well, you think, gosh, they're a fickle bunch of people. Well, have you looked around lately? Right next to you, a fickle bunch of people. We're all human. And so if we have a leadership that has disappeared, or we have you ever had those opportunities where you think, where did God go? Is he absent? Is he not talking to me anymore? I don't. I once saw all of these, these circumstances that showed the hand of God, but I don't see him right now. Why is he silent? And I think that's what was happening with the people. When there was a leadership vacuum and, and God was silent, they asked the question, what now? Oh, well, the pagans that are around us, they seem to be... Uh, magnetized, if you will. They seem to be um, unified. We, we're missing this sense of unity. We don't have direction. So we need something to focus on. Now, I don't know what you think, but you know, we, we think of uh, Veggie Tales or whatever, the bunny. The bunny, oh, I love the bunny. You know, um, maybe, maybe you don't know that one, but it was that time of Nebuchadnezzar where you know, there was worship toward this, you know, the kids' version, uh, worshiping this, this idol. Well, for the people of God, when, when we look back historically and archaeologically, those idols weren't very big, but they were a center of focus. We actually have some household idols which were made of bronze that were, were given at an early Christian era where the, the bronze statuary were only about this big, only an inch big. 
but it was a place that in your household that was a precious metal and something to focus on to say that we follow the Lamb of God. I have a little, from the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art, a little cast uh, copy of a bronze statue of, um, of the Lamb of God, the cross with a lamb. Uh, and it would be a household focus for those who were pagan. They wanted a touch from any god, from every god, so that they could have as much good luck as was possible. Sound familiar in our culture? We want to gather around us all the best options. You know, we're constantly looking to see if there's a, a better option. Is this generation, I know my kids sort of fall into this place as, it's hard to nail them down. They're constantly going, eh, maybe I'll come. Maybe I'll be there. But, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens because they're looking for other things going on. So I think the Lord was, is saying to us, there needs to be leadership in community. We have to have people who remind us to be focused. That's my job as, the, as your shepherd. As your chief, your chief shepherd, my job is to make sure that you remember who you follow, not me. It's not about Dan. It's about the Lord, and you follow him. And so as the people of God uh, were confronted by Moses, they, they heard this resounding understanding that there's a God not only that, that uh, loves them and hasn't forgotten them, but will forgive them. Uh, with evil intent, did he bring them out and kill them? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out and kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And then there's a key word here in the middle of the text. Remember. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel, Jacob, your servants, whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land. And I have promised that I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from devastating the people of God for their stupidity. I mean, let's face it, we get stupid. We like stuff, Right? We like things that lead us away, and we forget sometimes that our, even our leaders are distracted by stuff. So many times, we, uh, you've experienced this, and I don't mean to open a wound, but the, the reality is when you were over on um, Cleve Maslin Road, and the, what is now the Grace Building was spent and built by your hands and by many others who aren't here anymore because they were so offended by the fact that they invested so much into a building. And what has God done with us since? He's not done with us yet. And it's not about a building. It doesn't have to be about the space. It doesn't have to be about the grandeur of the banners or the, the, the pump of the band or whatever it might be. It's about the faithfulness of God's people, a, a remnant in Israel moving forward with his call to remind the rest of the world that God is not through yet. God is moving in you, and because he's moving in you, you get to tell your story. 
You get to say on 9-11, this is where I was. This is how I prayed. These are the stories that I heard. This is the testimony of God. Even to those who passed, there were testimonies of God's presence and power. So in the scriptures, as they go on, we, we've heard this message. We need leadership. We need leadership that not, you know, I don't think it was Moses' intention to disappear. He, was, he had his ear to the Lord. The Lord called him up to be away. But as he came back, leadership gave correction. It's the flip side of the prophetic, right? In the prophetic, the, the anointing, if you're a prophetic person, your gift is to do what? Paul says it very clearly in Corinthians. Encourage, comfort, and strengthen. That's your, that's your gifting. Everybody can do that, right? And that's why Paul says, you should desire this gift among every other gift. Build on that. So leaders will teach their people. I pray that you've heard this voice come from me that I, I want you to be a people who encourage comfort and strengthen the world around you. They will be naturally drawn to the Lord, whether to a church or to the world or to another church. We just want to be part of the kingdom work. It's not about the St. Luke's work, right? And so as we do that, we, we recognize there also needs to be leaders who do the apostolic side of the prophetic and the prophetic and the apostolic always go together if you ever see me becoming weak-kneed where i cannot do the apostolic it's time for me to move on and for you to find somebody who will live in these attributes and the apostolic portion of the prophetic that is wedded to this is correction direction and rebuke that's what a leader should bring so, and that's what Moses brought. When he came down from the mountain, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He cleaned house. He cleaned house because it is wrong thinking. It is, it is ill-focused. It is not the way that the Lord wants us to live. Remember during the times of, of Jacob, there was a question to God, who are you for? Are you for us or against us? And what was God's answer? Do you remember? Neither. I'm for me. I'm for the kingdom. And when we get caught up in the world, we forget that the kingdom's call is different from the world's call. And so it, it plays itself out in politics. It plays itself out in all the things that we involve ourselves in, in the world, in the economy, in every way. We start to think, well, we got to take one side or the other. No, we take God's side. And when we take God's side, we walk into a place where we, we have to walk in repentance. This morning, uh, I wanted to say, okay, guys, time to towel off. Because every Sunday we say this prayer. Almighty God, to you, all hearts are open. All desires known from you, no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you. Have you perfectly loved the Lord yet? Anybody? I, I want to know you if you have. <laughs> and worthily magnify your holy name. When we pray that cleansing prayer right at the beginning of worship, it's supposed to set us into God's holy shower. We've just washed off so that we might rightfully wash away those distractions that happened just before church or just happened this week or are happening constantly in our lives so we can stay focused on him 
Each one of us has somebody who's dealing with cancer. Each one of us has somebody whose relationship in their marriage or their friendships or, or work relationships are falling apart. Each one of us have children that are driving us absolute crazy, absolutely crazy or they're doing things that we say, haven't we planted enough in them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that they're living differently? We failed you, Lord. And the Lord goes, no, you haven't. They're human. You just keep your eyes on the kingdom, and I will call them the same way that I called you. Let your life be a testimony, be a witness to what I'm doing. So when we get to the epistle that was here today, uh, Timothy is, is being spoken to and about by Paul. Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, he's a young minister. He's trying to figure out. And Paul's giving a personal testimony. And he, he starts off in, in verse uh, 12 of chapter 1. He says, I'm so thankful. Uh, I, I thank him who's given me strength, Jesus Christ, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to service. Well, why is that such a big deal for Paul? Well, you, you know the story, and you know who he was before he was a Christian. He's always comparing himself to his old dirt, his old backstory, all the tapes that are being played from his history, he still got going. How many of us still have our old tapes playing? You know, we, we measure ourselves by the least common denominator of our past because that's who, that's who we think we are. And unfortunately, that is so far from what the Lord sees us. The Lord sees us as beloved and forgiven and washed and clear and gifted and creative and lovely and fun. And if you heard that spoken over you every day, you'd start to believe it. So I'm here to say as your leader, let's believe it. Let's believe it together so that we can walk in the gift, the mercy that we've received. This is Paul's but statement. There's usually a but in there. It's very big, a big but. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as a foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Lord, you need to be patient for dealing with me. I don't know if you can pray that prayer, but I think and pray that prayer quite often. That he might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of kings of all ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. He's teaching Timothy by example. We're back to leadership. Leadership should say to the community, I have lots to repent for. I have made idols in my life, and I need to get right with God. And when I get right with God, there's a transformation that can happen in me. I'm getting better and better, not going backwards. Are you the same person you were 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? No. You've been transformed by his presence, and he's still making you better. So don't shake your head and say, oh, I haven't gotten over this sin yet, Lord. I just don't think it's possible. All things are possible. We've heard that word from the scripture. So the religious, here we go again, right? 
Welcome to the church. You religious, me religious. The religious are surrounding Jesus and they're like, Psh. that Dan Morgan, he smokes cigars. He posted this week that there was buy your priest a, a, a beer day. Oh my goodness. He's going straight to hell for that one. <laughs> he likes rock and roll. Friday night, I was right there at Blossom listening to the Black Keys. They were fantastic. <laughs> those things are true. And, and maybe some of those things I need to eradicate. I remember when I gave my, my life to Christ, I had friends who were saying I needed to burn my albums. I needed to get Satan out of my ears. And, and they, were, they were really right. Because I, I wasn't yet to the place just having given my life to Christ, I wasn't yet to the place where I knew how to displace the things that the enemy was using. Now, a little bit more mature, just a little. I, <laughs> thank you very much for affirming that. Um, very little, Dean says. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm a little bit more mature and I can look back and say, you know, that's not a diet I want anymore. That's not something I want to be in my ear gate or in my eye gate or in my stomach gate, whatever it is that I'm ingesting and processing. It, I need to create better, bigger, firmer boundaries, not so that I can say, look at how self-righteous I am, but just to say to Lord, help curate in me, Lord, a love for you that those things don't have a hold like they once had. Help curate in me a different life. So Jesus is telling these parables. He tells three of them, two of them we have here, and he starts off with one. He says, what of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99? Is that your experience? Did God leave aside the 99 to go chasing after you? He pursues us with a love that is just massive. And he wants so badly for us to be in a place where we can, we can see. It's not only the, you know, the, the, um, the commentators would look at this particular passage and, and uh, they go either of two different ways. One, God's love for the lost or God's desire to restore believers. And being a good Anglican that I am, I nod my head and I say, yes, both. These stories are about not just those who are lost and don't know Jesus and the way that he goes after them, but also about those who have wandered off. Sheep are silly. I'm going to get in trouble for this because I've, heard pe I've said this before, sheep are stupid. Uh, you don't say stupid. We, we told our kids they couldn't use the stupid word when they were growing up. Um, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't let them watch Arthur, I think it was. Was it Arthur? Yeah, they said dum-dum or something like that. But we, we just wanted to curate in them a better sense of care for one another. And so uh, I said once that sheep were stupid, and somebody came up and firmly rebuked me and said, we as sheep are good because we know how to follow the master's voice. And I said, yes, that is true. Well, why do you wander off so often? 
what do you mean? I don't wander off so often. Well, you know, truthfully, I, I don't see you here on time, and I don't see you here that often. And it doesn't mean that my words trump the Lord's words, but in community, we're shaped. And this, this, what we do here, is important, not just to make me feel good or not to count numbers or to, to count tithes, but so that you can grow. There's a discipline, a reason for this life that we live in community. So as Jesus is telling his stories to the religious leaders, he's trying to catch them and say, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten to remind the people of God's words to them? That he adores them, that he loves them, He's gifted them. He's blessed them. He cares for them. He's crazy about them. Have you forgotten to restore them? Have you forgotten to go after them? Woe to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds, it says in Scripture, because they've forgotten the job that they've been called to. Woe to me, Dan Morgan, because of the things that people might perceive in me that hold them back from hearing the gospel. It's not bad to smoke cigars or drink beer or love rock and roll, but it may be those things that I need to hear the perk, the the prick, the nudge, the elbow, the knee of the Holy Spirit. You're causing that person to stumble. Go smoke your cigar somewhere else. And that's what we need to do. We need to have an opportunity for for the the those who are in leadership, not just recognize that they're in charge of a precious group of people, but by their example, they're saying, I have been transformed by God's loving presence. I know what it is like to to live under his hand, and when I tell the story, I want it to live in you. Can you pray with me this week? Can you pray? I've heard this so many times, and I've done it so many times, and I I know that I can see the hand of God pressing into it. Can you pray? I'll give you an example right now. Bert Hackenberg is going in for a a surgery tomorrow, and that surgery is going to correct the, the strength of his heart to be able to pump what is necessary. Would you believe with me that the words that the doctor spoke to him a couple weeks ago, that he... Uh, that they, if they don't find what it is that they need to correct, they're going to have to look for it again and come back and do it another time. Would you believe with me that tomorrow they're going to pinpoint it, they're going to find it, they're going to eradicate it, and he is going to be well. That's the way God wants us to look at the things that come against us in our lives. Will it work? I don't know. Is there another lesson the Lord wants us to, to know? I'm not sure, but I'm dang sure going to stand with you and believe the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is Bert's strength. And we're going to believe that the doctors are going to be able to laser surgically deal with that issue. Amen? Amen. That's what I hope for, for all of you as we pray for you, for the various things that are going on in your lives, the various ailments that you fight, the various things that, that the, seems like it's beyond anything that we can handle the Lord, if we would place belief in him, then we'll have a story. What's the story for? What's our story for? We've seen, we've lost. You know, we sing that song, he gives and takes away. 
and, and, and we recognize that there are things that God has taken away. We don't understand it. We're angry about it because it seems unjust, unjust to us, unjust to the world, that we've lost people too early. But we get to the place where we recognize the sovereignty is still the sovereignty of God. He's still working. We need to get to the place where we understand that we're given a story to tell others so that he can multiply the kingdom. So often I thought that um, I was called to be somebody who led people to Christ. And your pastor should be one of those people, right? And uh, while doing youth ministry, I was out on Martha's Vineyard at a, at a camp with a group I was working for. And I had so often given the gospel call. I had presented the the. The, the sinner's prayer, the opportunities for people to come to faith. And I, I watched as heads were bowed and, and people's lives began with Christ. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I get to preach this story, Lord, but I've never really just sat down one-on-one -on -one with a person and brought them over the threshold. I guess I'm just not a threshold guy. Some sow, some tend, some reap, some take that product that they've reaped and turn it into something useful. I guess I'm just one of those sowers. And I lamented it. Till one night I was up with a, somebody who worked on the campus who was helping with maintenance and um, I started talking with him about his faith and what he was doing and this guy, young guy Paul says to me, he goes, you know, I've heard the story. I know that I need to be repentant. I've been repentant. I, I just, I, I'm not sure that I, that I've met this Jesus. Like, I, I don't see him. Have you ever heard that story? People who are constantly saying, I don't see what you see. Uh, I, don't, I don't see miracles. I don't uh, see the, the signs and wonders. I don't see people cured. I just see, you know, nice thoughts, world truths. There are lots of truths in other religions, so why, why is it this one that I have to focus on? And this guy, Paul, was very much there. And I said, well, you know what you need to do. You need to give your life to Christ. And he goes, yeah, I just, don't, I just don't know how to do it. And I said, well, you know, you just have to believe that you were a sinner, that, that God died for your sins, and that you're going to release your life to his lordship. And he goes, yeah, but I just don't know how to do it. And I said, well, you, you have to just you know, say to him, I'm sorry for the sins that I've had in my life, and I repent of those, and I, I believe in your gospel, you died for my sins, and that you're going to live for his lordship. And he goes, yeah, but I just don't know how to do it. And I said, well, if you haven't heard me yet, he goes, no, I want to do it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> duh. I get to be the threshold guy. Well, here's the reality. Some sow, some tend, some reap. You have to be in a place where you just say, Lord, put me to whatever it is you want me to put, to, put me to. You're not having to put a notch in your belt or get people to pray this, the, the sinner's prayer. You're to be the light of Christ that is in you. You're to be a person who tells your story. Let the story speak for itself. And when the time comes, they're going to be so inextricably hungry for it, they're going to scream at you, yes, but how do I do it? And you'll be able to lead them in that prayer. We had prayed uh, for my niece for years that she would marry a man that uh, loved the Lord. And so we, we put the screws in when she'd come and visit with her significant other. We 
we'd look at Louie and we were just like, you know what? If you want to pray, we're right here. We're ready for you to ask the Lord to come and be Lord of your life. And we put that to him many, many times. Finally, after backing off of that push, a couple years later, it was Easter Sunday. And we were sitting on the front porch of our house in Virginia and, uh, you know, remarking about the day and they were getting ready to leave. And Louie looks over and he goes, just want to do something with you before we go home. And I said, what's that? And he goes, well, you remember you've, you've said this several times. And I said, yeah. He goes, before we go home, I want you to pray with me. I, wa I, I want that direction. I want that power. I want that presence. I want that change in my life. What a glorious day that is. So here's my word to you, saints. You're all leaders. I may be your shepherd, but you're all leaders. Don't let there be a leadership vacuum in the world that you live in. Stand up. Speak out the authority of God that you have the opportunity to speak into. Tell your story. Tell your story of repentance and transformation so that the kingdom might multiply. Let the story speak for itself and ask the Holy Spirit to come and take that story and grow it to bear fruit in the lives of people around you. Amen? Amen. Amen.